All right. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in the house of God? Yeah, and a big hello to everybody online with us as well, wherever you're watching from. We are so thankful for you. We're glad that you're along for the ride today, church. Let's welcome everybody online today as well. So thankful that you're with us. And you, you heard it, you heard it, Super Bowl is coming up this next Sunday, a week from today is Super Bowl Sunday, this is the Super Bowl of Christianity, I should say, all right? So it's a big deal, it's a really big deal, and we have six services uh, to choose from, and uh, we've got a Friday night at 7, two Saturday at 4 and 6, and then our normal Sunday morning service times. I want to encourage you, especially those of you in, in this service, this particular service, uh, our, our 10 a.m. is many times at capacity like it is today, and um, I want to ask you to consider not coming to this service unless you're bringing a friend. You bring, if, you, if you have somebody who says, man, I can come to church Sunday morning, 10 a.m., you say, I'm there, I'm, I'm going. I would love for you to maybe find one of these different times, and, um, and, and on a regular basis, I would also say that, man, we have... All of our services are, are the exact same. They're identical. Our 8.30, 11.30, they're all the same. And so we would love for you to just make room for people who aren't here yet because that's what the church is about. We are the church, right? The, we exist for people who are not in these doors yet. So we just want to do what we can to make room and, and, and to be a place where people can find hope in Jesus' name, right? All right, all right. So Easter's coming up, and in your worship or in your seat, you should have uh, gotten some cards, some invite cards. I want to encourage you this week to use these. Invite somebody. Find a, maybe it's a friend or a neighbor, coworker, classmate who maybe is far from God, maybe who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they, maybe they love Jesus. They're just not going to church anywhere, right? And just begin to, uh, begin to pray, invite. I know that uh, there's a couple people in, in my life, uh, acquaintances and people that I see in different places that, that I just, I drip it to them. Every, every opportunity I get, hey, I'd love for you to come to church with us this weekend. I'd love for you to, I mean, we got Easter coming up and even though they might, you know, be out of town or whatever, I'm going to keep going back to them over and over and over again. And maybe at some point in their life when something goes up and something, something's difficult, then maybe they come to me. Come on, somebody. Maybe they're the guy that I go to. Maybe, and I want that for you, too, that you have somebody in your life that is, maybe they're not close to God, but they could be, and you could be the key to that, right? So next Sunday, big weekend here, um, I'm asking all of you who are on the Dream Team to serve. Let's get ready to serve. This week is Love Week. We're going to be out in the community every day serving, loving on people. There's a Insert in your worship guide. You can find out more about that. But I would love for us to just take it to the next level. And I deputize all of you. I hereby dub thee greeters for next Sunday. All of y'all are greeters. All of y'all are on the team. All of y'all are serving next week. We're just making room for people to, to find and follow Jesus. And, and I love it. I love it that when we call a play, when, when we say, hey, it's Easter, everybody, let's do this that you just run the play. You run it with excellence, and, and I want to say thank you for that. So it's coming up. Easter's almost here. Well, today we're in the fifth and final installment of the series we've been doing called The Blessed Life, and uh, it's been a study through the Bible on generosity and stewardship, and week one we talked about, uh, we, we talked about it's all about the heart. Now, this is really a heart matter. We talked about selfishness. In fact, every week we've talked about selfishness, haven't we? Uh, the, week two, we talked about what test? Like the tithing is a test, 
And, and every time we get a paycheck, we, we take a test. We talked in week three about the principle of first, that we're going to put God first in every area of our lives, not just money, but including money, right? Now, week four, we talked about, last week was uh, the happy life. And then, of course, next week, Easter, we're going to have a standalone message that's really geared towards, uh, I, I'm believing 100 salvations. I'm believing God for 100 people to give their lives next week at Easter. I believe that. I believe it. And so I want you to, I need your help to pray and to believe. But today, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to answer the question, am I generous? Okay? Now, I don't want you to ask it like, are you generous? I'm asking, am I generous? So if you were asking yourself that question, you would say, am I generous? And, and we need to ask that question because, uh, because there is, uh, there's only one other option if you're not generous, Okay? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it reminds me, generosity reminds me of this uh, story I heard about a guy named Joe. Uh, Joe uh, was having some problems. He went to his small group leader. We have small groups at City Hope, and, and uh, our small group leaders do so much of the pastoral counseling and care here. And Joe went to the small group leader, and he said, man, I'm having trouble. I'm having a difficult time. And small group leader's like, well, what's up? What's going on? And, and Joe says, well... To, to be honest, I'm, I'm having a really hard time tithing. And he says, well, what's up? He says, well, when I made $50 a week, I, I, it was no big deal. I, I gave $5 every week. No, not a problem. And then started making $500 a week, and, and then I was, I was given $50. But he says, now that I'm making $5,000 a week, I, it's, it's, hard for, it's hard for me to write that $500 check. And he says, would, would you pray for me? He asked the small group leader, would you pray for me? And the small group leader says, yeah, let's pray. And he says, Lord, I pray right now for Joe that you would reduce his income back down to $500 <laughs> so he can tithe, right? Now, of course, that's a joke. But, uh, but hey, don't put it past those small group leaders out there. They care for you, right? No, I'm just kidding. So um, that, that, that just kind of illustrates something for me, though. It illustrates... The, the attitude a lot of people have towards God with their generosity. They'll say, I can't afford to. But I would tell you, and you've heard me say it over and over again in this series, you can't afford not to. I'm just telling you there's something about being generous. And, and so um, it's, it's, always, it's always important. Let me say it this way. It is always better to be generous towards God. It's always a good idea to be generous towards God because he has been generous to you. But let me say it even, even a little bit differently. It's a good idea to be generous toward God because he was more than generous to you. He was extravagant. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, on the cross so that we could have life and life abundantly. So he was more than generous towards us. So it's always a good idea to be generous back to God. Amen? So what I want to do today is I want to look at the story of a lady named Mary in the Bible. Mary had a sister named Martha and a brother named Lazarus. Anybody got a cool name like Lazarus here? No, nobody, nobody names their kids Lazarus. I don't know what's up with that, right? So, um, so anyway, you got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Mary brings this extravagant offering to God. Okay, to, to Jesus. And I want to take a look at what the Bible says about this. We're going we're gonna to answer a couple different questions through, this, through the, the message today. Uh, but we're going to use it, use it in one set of scripture. I'm going to give it to you up front. Okay, so if, you, if you've got your notes, uh, you can take those out, follow along there, um, or on the screens as well. 
It says six days before the Passover. So stop right there. Um, this is th- this story is taking place six days before Passover. That means it's seven days before Jesus goes to the cross. Okay, so this is like a week before Jesus is about to die. He goes to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Okay, so this is that Lazarus, the story of Lazarus where Jesus raises him from the dead. And it says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Now, now it's, do, you, do you know why they gave a dinner in Jesus' honor? Because they raised, he raised Lazarus from the dead. You know what I'm saying? Like you would give Jesus a dinner if he raised your brother from the dead. So, so I'm just a little teaser there, right? Um, so, so Martha serves. This is the same Martha you read in a different story where she gets upset that Mary is at the feet of Jesus while she's in there cooking and cleaning and serving, okay? So Martha serves while Lazarus is in the recliner with the remote control, all right? He's... He's at the table with Jesus, reclining, and it says that Mary took about a pint of pure nard, not lard, but nard, and it's an expensive perfume. Let me just tell you, this, this perfume is from India, okay? In, in, in this day, it was exported from India all the way into Israel. This was a big deal. It's an alabaster box of very expensive perfume, and she pours it on Jesus' feet, And then she wipes his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Well, just then, one of his disciples, Judas the idiot, I mean, a Judas Iscariot, you go, Ben, that wasn't very nice. He betrayed Jesus. I mean, I don't have, there's not many other words to describe him when you betray Jesus, right? So Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, if we just stopped reading the story right there, we might say, yeah, Jesus, I'm with Judas. I mean, why didn't you sell this and give it to the poor? Why are you letting her pour this out on your feet? This is a waste, Jesus. Why are you letting this woman do this to you? And and it seems like maybe this is, maybe, maybe Judas has got something, maybe he's right but I want, you to, I want you to know there's, there's a heart like Mary and then there's a heart like Judas. Because here's the thing. Judas didn't care about the poor. The Bible says he didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was a thief. He was the keeper of the money bag. And he used to help himself to what was put into... The, he used to embezzle from the church. That's what this is saying. So he, he's criticizing Mary based on her extravagant offering to Jesus, and he's acting like, like he really cares for the poor, but he doesn't care for the poor. He just wants what, what she's pouring out. Are you following me? So notice what Jesus does. Jesus sticks up for her, and he says, hey, hey, pal, you need to leave her alone because it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now, it's important to know all right, this is seven days before he's crucified. After Jesus was, was put in the tomb, uh, they did not have a chance to, to put uh, the, the, the oils on his body like they would do back in those days. So they would anoint the body after it was dead to help preserve things. And Jesus didn't get that opportunity. So she's doing it before he dies. And he says it was intended that she should do this for my burial. 
But, and, and then he closes with this. He says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And I want to bring clarity to that statement because Jesus is not saying, hey, look, you'll always have the poor, so just, you know, just kind of deal with that. You know? He's not saying that. He's not saying you'll always have the poor, so you know, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for you to take care of the poor. It's not even that. He's saying, look, I'm here right now. Seven days from now, I'm about to be gone. So you, you, you need to focus more on me than you need to focus on anything else right now because it's all about to change. You're going to have some opportunities to care for the poor, but I'm not going to be here forever. That's kind of what he's saying. So he's not giving us a way out of, like, he's not giving us an escape from helping the poor and the marginalized, right? Are you following that? Okay. So this story that we just read highlights two things. It highlights that wherever there is generosity, there's also selfishness. Where there's generosity, there's selfishness. And we've talked about this through the whole series. We've talked about selfishness, generosity, the two things. And the only way that you can combat selfishness is to be generous. It's the only way. And, and so wherever you find generosity, there's selfishness battling for control, battling for, for its way. And, and, and so I want us to ask the question today as we close up this series, am I generous or am I selfish? Am I generous or am I selfish? Am I doing things God's way or am I doing it my way? Which one has the upper hand in my life, okay? And we're going to answer two questions today. We're going to answer, why did Mary pour out this offering on Jesus and why did Judas care? Like, can, can I ask it this way? Why did Judas care what Mary did with her money? I mean, why, why did he care what she did with her, what, what God had given her, her resources? Why did he care? Because he was selfish, right? And so we're going to start with that question. Why did he care? Let me show it to you. He cared because there is an enemy of generosity. There's an enemy, and the enemy is selfishness. Let's just call it like it is. There's an enemy of selfishness that keeps us from being generous. Let me show you in James. This is the brother of Jesus, half-brother, I guess we'd say, of Jesus. And he says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, you have disorder. And you have every evil practice. So, so Judas is eat up with selfishness, and it leads him to betray Jesus Six days later for 30 pieces of silver. Why would he do that? Selfishness. Why would he do that? Because he, he, he wanted it his way. Why would he do that? Because he, he, he was a thief. And he used to put his hand in the money bag, take what he wanted, right? And, and you can see this play out in Judas's life. There was envy. There was selfish ambition. And therefore, it was disorder. Therefore, it was evil in his heart. Did Judas really care for the poor? No, he didn't care for the poor. His statement was a cover-up, right? He was trying to cover up the fact that he wanted the money. Man, if I could get my hands on that. I, that's, if I could just have that. And, and so he does what a lot of us do. He makes this statement like, like, well, I don't know how anybody who's a Christian in, their, in, in good conscience could drive a car like that. Well, this part of the message might be a little confrontational, okay? Um, 
And if, and if I could just say, I think part of my responsibility as the pastor is to lead and feed you. Sometimes it's to get confrontational. Sometimes it's to maybe get a little uncomfortable so that we can grow, so that we can grow out of selfishness into generosity, okay? So, so Judas didn't care about the poor. When he sees this perceived waste, he goes, I, dude, I, I need that. Why are you pouring this out? Why are, you, why are you wasting this? He gets upset and he pretends that it's about the poor. But let me ask you something. Who gave Judas the money box? Jesus. Like Jesus is the leader of the disciples and he gives Judas the position of secretary. Why would Jesus give Judas... If he knows, Jesus, Jesus knows everything. He is God. Why would he give a thief the money back? It was a test. It was a test. Jesus was testing Judas' heart. And are you going to give in to generosity, uh, selfishness, or are you going to let that selfishness be worked out of you, and are you going to really live the generous life that I've called you to live? It was a test. And so we're a lot like Judas when we point fingers at other people's generosity. When we say things like, girl, did you see what she paid for that purse? She could have helped a whole lot of people for what she paid for that. You know, I could have done a lot of good if I had the money that they had, I could have done a lot of good if, with the money they spent on that house. I could have done a lot of good for the kind of money they spent on that boat. I could have, I could have done a lot of good for what they spent on that pool or you, you name it. Are you following me? And so we'll say things like, they should have sold that and given it to the poor. But can I tell you, you don't care about the poor. Because if you cared about the poor, you'd sell what you have and give it to the poor. That was the steel-toed part right there. Because we, we've, we've all been guilty. I've been guilty. Gosh, they shouldn't have something like that. No, 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 no. That's selfishness rearing its ugly head in us because if we cared about the poor, we would give to the poor. We would help the poor. We would help the needy. We would sell what we have. And, and so the truth is, selfishness is a Judas mentality. Selfishness is an anti-God mentality. Because God's not selfish, he's generous. He gave, he loved that he gave his son, right? So that's why Judas um, was upset about Mary's offering, was because he was selfish about it. Now let me show you why Mary gave the offering she did. And it's because there's an extravagance of generosity, an extravagant mindset towards generosity. So... I want you to think about this for a moment. Mary gave her offering to Jesus. She poured it out on his feet. was worth how much? A year's wage. Now, that's a lot of money. Doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what tax bracket you're in. That's a lot of money. Let's just say your average wage is $50,000 a year. And you call up Old Spice and you say, hey, look, I want, I want to buy $50,000 worth of Old Spice. <laughs> Give me some of that Stetson, right? I want some Stetson. And you say, and, and then you take truckloads of Old Spice or Stetson, and then you go pour it out on somebody's feet. You're never going to get it back, are you? I mean, you can't bottle it back up. You, you can't put that back in the bottle and keep it. You, you can't, it doesn't work that way. It's gone. 
And this is what she does. She pours out an offering on Jesus' feet that was equivalent to a year's wage. Now, let me ask you, how much do you think would impress God? I mean, what kind of offering would impress God? What, kind of, what, what does it take to be an extravagant giver? Is it a million dollars, hundred million, a billion? Like, like, what does it take to get God's attention? And, and I would just say to you that I don't think there is an amount of money that would get God's attention. I don't think there's an amount of money that, that quantifies extravagance in God's eyes because he owns it all. He created it all. He is the owner of everything. What I think God really, really wants more than anything is he wants you. He wants your heart. Check this out. That, that, that the Macedonians gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And more than your money, more than your tithe, more than your offering, God wants a relationship with you. And he'll, uh, he'll address that later. He'll talk about that later. But he wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to give him your heart first. So the most extravagant gift you can give is you. And, and that's, that's the kind of gift a selfish person like, like Judas would never give. It's the kind of gift that somebody that, that is eat up with pride and arrogance and selfishness won't give. And I, I want to show you three levels of giving in the Bible. There's a, it's a ladder of giving, okay? I want to show it to you today. And I don't have a lot of time to spend here, but the first rung of the ladder is tithes. This is just obedience. Tithing is obedience. It's not generosity. Tithing is obedience. In other words, tithing is not robbing God. It's not stealing from God. Okay? It's just being obedient. But then there's, there's a level up from that that is generosity, and it's offerings. It's when you, you give free will. God, I'm giving out of the overflow of my heart. I want to give. I want to be a blessing. I want to help somebody else. I want to do this. It's, this is generosity. It's where it starts. And then there's extravagant offerings, which is another word for that would be pain offerings. It's called a pain offering because it's painful. When you give an extravagant offering, it hurts. And it's a, it's a good kind of thing. And, and, and I want to be clear and tell you today that an extravagant heart stems from a grateful heart. There's, there's a lot of examples in the Bible about extravagant giving. David gave $21 billion in today's currency, $21 billion to his son to help him build the temple. That's a, that, that, that's extravagant. Um, Solomon... When, there was only, when it was only required to offer one sacrifice, he offered a thousand sacrifices. That's extravagant. Um, the widow gave two pennies in the New Testament, and Jesus said, that's extravagant. That's all she's got. It was extravagant. Abraham prepared to offer his one and only son as a sacrifice, and then 2,000 years later, Jesus did offer his son as a sacrifice, or God offered his son Jesus as a sacrifice. So there's extravagant examples in the Bible but it comes from a, a grateful heart. So let me tell you, let me ask you, why did Mary pour out such an extravagant gift on Jesus? Why? Here's why. Because Jesus raised her brother from the dead. That's why. And if you're here today and you're wondering, like, I mean, why should I pour out, why, why should I pour out generosity on God? Why should I be generous toward God? 
How about this? How about the fact that he raised you from the dead? How about that you, are, you once were lost, but now you are found? You've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Spirit of God. Your life is different. You're not the same that you used to be in Jesus' name. There's something different about your life, and he's raised you to life. Amen? So that's why we give. It's not because we have to. It's because we, we get to, I want to give, right? I, I want to do this. I want to honor God. And extravagant giving is relative. Let me say it this way. Uh, extravagant generosity is not something only rich people do. You can have little or no money and still be extravagant in your giving. In fact, the um, uh, statistics tell us that if you, are in, if you make at or even just a little below the poverty line in America, then you are still among the world's top richest people. You are in the 22% of the world's richest people in, a, in the world. And you may think, well, I mean, yeah, that's the world, but I live in America. I'm, I'm talking about the world. You're rich in comparison to the world. You're, you're rich compared to the people around you. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Paul says to Timothy, teach those who are rich, who have, who have more than they need, teach, teach them not to be proud of it. Teach them not to trust in their money because there's something called inflation and from one year to the next, it's not going to be worth quite as much. It's unreliable. It's, it's there today, gone tomorrow. Trust in God who richly gives all that we need but also for our enjoyment. See, see I want you to understand that God's not, he's not a cosmic killjoy. He wants you to have some fun. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have some enjoyment in life. But you got to remember it comes from him. And verse 18 says, tell them to use their money to, to do good. Instruct them to be rich with good works, generous to those in need, always ready to share with others. By doing this, they are storing up their treasure. That's what we talked about last week. You're storing up treasure in heaven as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience True life. True life is a generous life. True life is a life in obedience toward God. Amen? Yeah. All right, let me, give you, let me give you the last one. All right, so there's an enemy of generosity, that's selfishness. There's an extravagance, and that's, that's why Mary poured out that offering, is because she was so thankful to Jesus for what he had done. He had raised her brother from the dead. But I want to tell you this. I want you to get it. That there's, there's also this fact that God rewards generosity. Okay, now we would never, we don't give to receive. We know that, we understand that. We don't give to get, but can I tell you that when you are generous, God will reward you. Now, it may not be monetarily. It may not be with a bonus or a, a raise. It might be that he rewards you with peace and joy and love and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. It might be that he rewards you in, in some sort of, you know, what we might think is a random way, but he will reward you. The Proverbs says that one person gives freely. Notice this. They give freely, but they get more, which doesn't make sense, right? If you give more, you should have less. But the Bible, is, the Bible doesn't make sense. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when you give freely, God... God rewards you, but when you withhold, you come to poverty. It's a mindset that you got to shift. 
It's a, it's a mindset that you've got to shift. It says that uh, generous people will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. So God wants us, he wants us to give and be generous out of obedience, not, n- not because we're expecting something in return. Now, how many of y'all got kids? Right? If you're like me, you've probably done this before where you know, we're, we're going somewhere and I tell the kids, hey, I, I really want you to um, behave today. I, I would love for you to behave. And if you do, if you don't make my blood pressure go up, if I don't have to get on to you, if, like, if you're just an angel, there's going to be a reward. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to bribe your kids like that? We, we, we will reward you. I'm going I'm to be, I'm going to bless you for being obedient. And there was this one time where, uh, where I, I tried it and it backfired on us because I, we didn't tell them what kind of reward we were going to give them. We just said, you're going to be rewarded. But in their minds, they started concocting all of these different things that we would do for them. I'm thinking like, let's go to Brahms, get some ice cream, like, like something cheap. And they're thinking, oh, we're going we're to go on a trip. We're, we're going to go to academy. You're going to buy us all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I just like something small. And don't you know that as parents, we want our kids to obey just because they love us, not because they think they're going to get something in return from us, right? I want them to obey me because they they love me, not because they think I'm going to give them something in return for their good behavior. And I'm telling you, we can't treat God that way either. We We can't give and be obedient expecting God to make our wildest dreams come true. Because this is not Napoleon Dynamite and Pedro. This is God we're talking about here. Like, like we, we, we've got to just give out of the abundance, out of the overflow of love and, and, and joy that we have in Jesus, not because we think we're going to get anything in return. And that's exactly what Mary did. Mary gave a generous offering to Jesus. And she expected nothing in return. She did it because she was so grateful. L- look at this. In, in, um, in Mark, there's a parallel version of, this, of the story we read. I believe it's in Mark. And when, when he closes it out, Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, you're going to talk about Mary. That's what he said. And so when Mary gives this offering, she has no idea. When she poured it out on Jesus' feet, she had no idea there would be a reward. She had no idea that Jesus would would say, you're going to talk about this woman for generations to come. She had no idea that there would be any sort of like uh, uh, um, appreciation from Jesus or that he would bless her in any way. She just did it because she was grateful and she was thankful and that spurred her to a place of generosity. That's why she did it. And that's the right kind of motive. That's, how, that's why we give, because we're so grateful, we're so thankful for what God's done. Now, I told you a few weeks ago that I would, I would share a little bit of our generosity story and how we started on a, a lifestyle, I would say, of generosity. It's not um, anything to write home about. I'm not sharing this with you because we need a pat on the back or, or that we, you know, an attaboy or girl. I'm sharing it because I want it, hopefully, to inspire you I also want you to know that as I stand up here and preach to you that like I'm not, I'm not preaching something that we don't do. I'm not, I, whatever, whatever we talk about, we're practicing it. So for us, our journey started back in 2007. We were uh, 25, 26 years old, living in Alabama 
on staff at Daystar Church. And um, we were about to enter a building campaign. Our church was growing much like this church is. And we had a goal that we wanted to raise a million dollars in two years. And I was the worship leader at the time at that church. And so uh, we had a a growing staff and our pastor pulled us all together and he said, hey guys, we're going to try to raise a million dollars in two years. It's a big deal. This is right before the the economy crashed, the Great Recession. And so he says, I want all of y'all to pray about what the Lord wants you to do. You ask the Lord how to be obedient and you just... You just dig deep. That's what I'm asking you to do. Dig deep. And so at that time, we're, we're 25, 26. We're making combined household income of like 40000 maybe. And, um, you know, prayed about it a little bit and like thought, well, okay, we, we could do $5,000. We could give $5,000 over two years above our normal tithe and offering. That, you know, we could do that. And... Uh, and so we, we decided that's what we're going to do. But as I would pray, and, and even just throughout the day, I remember I would feel the Lord speak to me, and he'd say, I want you to double it. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan, right now. And just, <laughs> you know, just, and, and at first it was a little frightening. I'll be honest with you. Because when you make $40,000 a year and you're going to give away 5000 a year, I mean, that's, that's, that's a bit on top of your tithe and offering. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a stretch, Right? And so we prayed about it. We asked the Lord, and we, we just felt comfortable. The Lord was calling us to do that. We had $6,000 in our, in our savings account. And not only did we feel the Lord calling us to give 10000 over two years, but we felt him calling us to give half of it up front and almost wipe out our, our savings account. We prayed about it. We, we asked the Lord. We had confirmation. We had peace. And so as we um, were getting close to that offering, we were praying for a couple of things to happen that year. Now, we weren't giving to get. I had not even read the Blessed Life book yet. This is pre-Blessed Life book. I just, this is what the Lord was speaking to us. And so we prayed. We said, Lord, there's a few things that we would love to see happen this year. And we're going to give this offering regardless of what happens. We're not expecting anything in return. But it sure would be nice if this year you would just make the way for us to pay off a piece of property that we had if Lord, we would love to increase our income this year, and we'd also love to be able to buy or build a house. And Lord, if none of that happens, we're going to give this in, in gratitude and thanksgiving, no matter what. We gave that $5,000 offering in the first fruits offering. And then um, within a few weeks, someone gave us a check that replenished the entire amount right back into our savings account. That year, Somebody gave us the payoff amount for our property that we owned. Uh, our, in, our income increased by $14,000 that year. And we were able to, to buy our very first home. And somebody gave us $50,000 for the down payment. Now, we could argue back and forth all day long. And you could say, well, <laughs> that was just coincidence. You can't convince me of that. You, you can't. But even if it was coincidence... It did something in my heart that caused me to say, God, you've been so good. And I want to do whatever I can to just serve you and love you. The next year rolls around 2008. We said, God, we want to give more. You've been good to us. Why would we withhold after you've been so good? We want to give even more. 2009 came around. And, um, and I read the Blessed Life book. And it kind of revolutionized my, my thinking about generosity. 
And uh, in 2010, we gave away our first car and we've, give, we've been able to give away four vehicles. And, and you might say, well, you probably lemons. No, they weren't lemons. They were really good vehicles. But that's the beauty of having a vehicle that's paid for is you can give it away. Okay, you, you're not tied down to it. And so uh, we, some of our best friends wanted to have another child and they were talking about they, they needed a new car to fit their, their growing family in and we had a minivan. And uh, we just felt it in our heart. We're, we're supposed to give them a minivan. So we, we had the title, signed it over, and we're able to bless them with a minivan. And I'm not even joking, a couple days later, somebody gives us a brand new minivan. A few years later, I had a, a 2005 Toyota Tacoma that uh, it was paid for. And our church was in, the, uh, our, the country was in a recession at that time. It's about 2011 or 12 or so. And in Alabama, rural Alabama, we are still reeling from, from that recession. And I just felt the Lord speak to us and say, I want you to give your truck away. And I was like, okay, all right. It's a beautiful truck. It's valued at about $16,000. It was used. But I signed it over, gave it. The church could use however they needed to because we were in the, it, was, it was tight. I think Titans were tough in our church. A few years later, we had a Toyota Camry that was paid for, and there was a couple at our house and young couple, and they were they were talking about how they they were both working full time jobs, but they only had one car, and the Lord just put it on our hearts, just give them the Camry. We had three cars, give them the Camry. So we gave them the Camry, and and there's just such joy in being able to go get the title and say, hey, we don't want anything in return, and don't tell anybody, but. This, this is for you. Uh, when we moved here, I had a little blue Honda Accord. It's great. And it was paid for. And so since we've been here in Texas, God put it on our heart. Give that vehicle to somebody. And we don't do it because we need anything in return. We just do it because we want to be a blessing. We, we, uh, like, if God's blessed us, why wouldn't we want to bless somebody else, right? 2011, I preached this series and I gave this, this message that I gave you today, I preached it in a, in a series in December of 2011 while our pastor was on sabbatical. In January of 2012, we did a first fruits offering. And uh, it's kind of like our legacy offering, but we did it in January. Our pastor came back from sabbatical. We did this offering. And after my testimony of giving away cars and different things, in that offering, people gave, I want to say it was like eight cars were given a tractor, John Deere tractor, uh, a nice John Deere tractor, um, a wave runner, golf clubs, TVs. I mean, just people, we were in the middle of a recession still. People maybe, may, may not have had a lot of expendable income, but they were giving, they were generous. And that was in January of 2012. February the 8th, 2012. A guy named uh, Dave Hollis used to work for our church. He was killed in a, in a crash. And he was driving their only car. Somebody had just, people had just given eight cars to the church. So we were able to call Gail, his widow, and say, Gail, we, we can't bring Dave back. But because of the generosity of the people of the church, we want you to come up here and you just pick whatever car you want. And we'll take care of that for you. 
And she came up, and I remember her sitting in a Nissan Maxima. And she said, I've never had a car this nice before. What a blessing. That some, somebody's car that was, it was paid for, and it, was, it had 350,000 miles on it. But it was in great condition, and we were able to bless a widow who, whose husband had just been killed in their only car. Listen, God shows up in ways like that. God shows up in circumstances and situations. And, and so, this is not a commercial for you to give a car, but if you ever say, I want to give a car, I want to tell you that City Hope Church will be a good steward of that. We'll find a widow. We'll find a single mom. We'll find somebody who needs that and bless them, and we will make, we'll make sure they're taken care of on your behalf. So, fast forward, years go by, 2018, we're gearing up to move to Wichita Falls to plant this church. We need to raise $250,000 to start this church. And we knew that we would never want to stand before you and, and ask you to do something that we didn't do, that we weren't willing to do. And so, when we sold our house, we had, we had a pretty good profit from that. And we were able to give $10,000 to City Hope right before we even moved here. Before we knew would this thing work. And, and you know, it wasn't hard for us. It wasn't hard to write that check. It wasn't hard to, to give that offering because God's been working on us for years. God's, God's been doing something inside of us. And you say, Pastor Ben, how can you give that way? And I'll tell you, it's only by the grace of God. It's because I can remember where I was before Jesus. I remember the kind of person I was before Jesus. I remember how sinful and immoral and wretched and what a lost person I was. And I know that what Jesus has done for me, and I know that he's broken generational curses, and I know that he has set me free. And when he asked me to do something, I can't help but just say, yes, yes, I want to. I will do this. I'll be obedient. I, I want to. Whatever he asks, I'll do it. And I want that for you too. I want you to have that kind of life that you would say, God, whatever you're asking me to do, I'll do it. So would you bow your heads with me today? And I want to close just by asking this. It's, it's, it's kind of an upfront question, but I would just ask, do you think you have the heart of Mary or the heart of Judas? Or do you have a, a heart of generosity and extravagance or do you have a heart that's hardened? A heart of selfishness and life is all about you we're not taking up an offering a special offering we're going to give in a moment but look you'd give whatever the lord puts on your heart it's not even about money this is about your heart right now where's your heart at do you have the heart of judas or the heart of mary and if, if you don't have the heart of mary i want to give you an opportunity today to receive a heart transplant that jesus would come in and forgive you and wash you and make you new and clean you uh, give you a fresh start, give you a new beginning. And so if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Ben, I, I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to break ties with selfishness, doing things my way, and I want to give Jesus my life. I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, one, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand today. I'm going all in for Jesus. Come on, be bold. I see you over here. One, two, three, four, five. Who else would say that's me, Pastor Ben? Six, seven. Anybody else? That's me. Eight. Who else? Anybody in that? up top come on be bold be courageous say that's me I'm, I'm, I'm giving him my life I'm I want to be more like I want to I want to be more like Mary I want to give my life to Jesus I want to I'm so proud of you come on let's say this prayer together today say Jesus 
Thank you for giving your life for me. I give my life to you. I surrender. Complete control. My body, soul, spirit, it's all yours. Everything I have is yours. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. And from this day forward, I will serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God today for salvation. Come on, let's thank God today. Praise God. Praise God for the word and for what he's doing in your lives today, this morning, the, what he's speaking to you and what he's doing in your lives. And I just want to remind you at the beginning of the service that I, I mentioned to you a connection card. And on that connection card is a place where you can let us know what your decision is today. So maybe you gave your life to Christ today or you made a recommitment to him. We would love it if you would just let us know your decision by just marking the box that applies to you. One, so that we can celebrate with you all that Uh, celebrate all that God is doing in your life, but also so that we can be praying for you and we can know specifically how we can be standing with you in prayer. And if you gave your life to Christ today, sometimes after you give your life to Jesus, you, you don't really know what's next. Like, what do I do next? And so what our team has done is we've put together um, this resource. It's called a next steps box. And inside of it are resources that'll help you know what to do next in this journey. Um, and so the way you can get this is as you leave in the lobby beside our growth track room, we have our next steps table. Um, you'll see uh, some of these boxes on the shelf behind the table. If you'll just stop by that team member that's at that table, let them know that you would like one of these and we'll get that to you totally free of charge. We, we just want to be able to help you um, in your next steps. And also, just as a reminder, uh, pack a, a six-pack of Easter invite cards were on your seat when you got in today. And we just encourage you, take that with you and be praying about who God would have you to invite to one of the Easter weekend services. So we're, we're about to get ready to move to the part of the service where we worship the Lord in our giving. And we never ask that you give anything. All we, all we say is um, you just talk to the Lord and see what he would have you do. And then that's between you and the Lord uh, for you to be obedient to him. But I do want to celebrate that you are such a generous church. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to do things like what we're about to do starting tomorrow, which is Love Week, where all week next week, I mean, it's going to be like serve day on steroids, y'all. It's going to be awesome. All all week long, we're just pulling out all the stops and we're just going to love this city. And if you look in the serve app, you'll see just tons of serve projects, just stacked with projects that you can be a part of. And But that's your giving at work. If it wasn't for your obedience to the Lord, we wouldn't be able to do it. And so I just want, I just want to say thank you for your obedience to the Lord. And I want you to know that your generosity is making a difference. It's making a difference in Wichita Falls, in our nation, and literally around the world. So we're, I'm going to get ready to pray over our time together. When I say amen, our team, uh, our prayer team will be up front. If you need prayer for anything at all during this last song, just make your way down and they'll be happy to pray with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of serving you and that we get to be a part of your kingdom, God. I just pray that you'd move in every person's heart today, that you'd do a work in their life, God, that we li- when we leave this place, that we would be changed, we'd be different, God. We thank you that we get to give, God. We worship you, we praise you, and we say this all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's worship together, church.